At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where it is snowing today on Sunday, February 13th, 2022. It is Super Bowl Sunday, and we will give you your pregame analysis and hype for the upcoming matchup between the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals. Joining me today for that preview from my immediate south, Chris Cole. Hello. It is great to be here on a Super Bowl Sunday, and we have a pr- pretty solid show here for a pretty jam-packed solid show here for you. We're going to discuss the Super Bowl, Brandon, and what does that mean for WWE uh, for the Super Bowl? I'm going into a little bit of a Super Bowl data. We got YouTube uh, data to go over. We have Google Trends to break down, uh, ticket information from our good friends at WrestleTix. We have a report that came out that Tony Khan was filing to run for Congress. And then Tony Khan himself said that is not true. And much, much more on this edition of WrestleNomics. But, Brandon, you know, that WrestleNomics, that term gets pondered. Why do we do this, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's been said that anything here can happen at WrestleNomics. But now more than ever, truer words have never been spoken. This is a conscious effort on our part to open the economic envelope, so to speak, in order to inform you in a more contemporary manner. We at WrestleNomics think that you, the audience, are quite frankly tired of having your intelligence insulted. We also think that you're tired of the same old simplistic theory of analyzing hopelessly bad creative. Surely the era of obsolete wrestling personality from a bygone era urging you long for the way is definitely passe. Because we are WrestleNomics, the most compelling storylines in wrestling. Yeah, creative services here. could have went on a more spiel there, but... We, uh, creative services worked very tirelessly on that. Uh, much debate about uh, many of the, the terminologies and phrase words uh, in, in that. Uh, so, <clears throat> where would you like to start today? Well, we're going to, we let off, we're going to get right into it. We're going to start with the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And um, so, this is actually, uh, you discussed this on Twitter uh, on the 11th Brandon. WWE will have two commercials during the Super Bowl on Sunday promoting WrestleMania. PWI Insider broke earlier. Additionally, one spot will be a 30 second commercial during the pre show, and the other will be a 15 second long commercial during the game itself. So, really kind of going for that value, you know, <laughs> 15 seconds is probably very expensive for a Super Bowl ad, even with the, uh, the uh, partnership that WWE has with NBC and Peacock. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea who's paying for this. Uh, NBC is the broadcaster of the Super Bowl today. Um, 
And NBC is incentivized to try to get people to watch WrestleMania on Peacock. So maybe this is uh, some NBC time that they had that they're choosing to spend by promoting WrestleMania. I don't know. Um, a WrestleMania commercial is probably in the millions of dollars. Uh, I'm sure it's it's been published. But uh, yeah, I mean, all, all the, the promotion in the world will hopefully help WWE improve its reach and improve the viewership for WrestleMania. Will this year's WrestleMania be the most viewed uh, WrestleMania of all time? If it's not, they probably won't tell us. But if it is, they will probably tell us. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, how many viewers do you expect for WrestleMania? WrestleMania, the Super Bowl tonight on NBC. Uh, I would say, man. So last year we had 57.3 million. No, 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 that's 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 the no. Oh, that's, that's the no. Oh wow, okay. You want to look at the so the there's chart. eighty. Wow, yeah, you but, wow, yeah, okay. Uh, you want to look at the chart on the left? Nine, last year's Super Bowl had ninety one point six million wow. viewers. That was a disappointing number because it was down from last year, where it was over one hundred million viewers for the KC and San Francisco Super Bowl. Um, I'm gonna say ninety five because we have million. a big a big market like Los Angeles, so involved there you know that's um that rams and cardinals super bowl our super bowl wild card game on monday night um didn't do so well but uh i would think um the nfl numbers have been up that's what i hear i haven't studied studied that really myself um but the nfl numbers uh are said to be up this year versus last year so i would guess it's going to be a little bit up um a lot of the reason i think for the reason for the football numbers being up lately is that it's you know, it's uh, we've got a full season of fans in attendance versus 2020, where that was not the case. Uh, but the Super Bowl had fans at it last year, correct? Uh, yes, yes, it did. Yeah, right. Because we had Tom Brady playing at home, of course. Everything handed to him. Anyway, um, we also I, I I enjoyed this. We'll talk about wrestling in a minute. I I promise uh, that WrestleTix tweeted out and analyzed the seating map. For tonight's Super Bowl uh, at SoFi Stadium. Capacity, 66,824. Will they announce a fake attendance? Will they announce 93,173 or 79, whatever <laughs> it is? Will they announce an enhanced attendance for entertainment purposes? I'm excited to know. Um, so, yes, that's who are you picking for the Super Bowl here tonight? Rams or Bengals? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the Rams. Um, Bengals are... Uh, Younger team, uh, I mean, they probably have a much uh, years of success ahead of them. Joe Burrow is going to be something special. Uh, but L.A.'s in that do-or-die mentality. I mean, they, they traded a lot of draft picks away to get veteran players like Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. and Matt Stafford. So, uh, well, Beckham was a, was a free agent signing. But, but yeah, so they've, uh, they're going all in uh, on this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the Rams. The Rams. Matt Stafford used to play for the Lions. That that much I'm aware of. He was the number one overall draft pick, right? Matt Stafford? Believe so, yeah. Yeah. This is actually the first time in a few years uh that number one draft picks have faced each other. And it's only had Oh, they're both number one draft three. picks overall. Yes. yes wow. Yeah. Hmm. Any update on uh Josh Allen getting the coin toss rule changed? No, but he was he was at the uh player honors uh ceremony this weekend. Was the MVP? They, did he get MVP? He, um he, he did not win MVP. Aaron Rodgers did. Um 
<laughs> yeah, Aaron Rodgers won MVP. But, but by the way, his his attire got very trendy on the internet. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. But Josh Allen was interviewed, uh, and it was by uh, by Keegan Michael K. And he's like, you know, I think the award ceremony it needs to be a fair process. Both sides need to have a shot, like he have an opportunity. So he like made a joke about the whole coin toss thing. Um, Just keeping it lighthearted. Okay. But he did a lot of press this week during Media Row saying he needs to bring a Super Bowl to Buffalo. So, Okay. As you know, this is not a wrestling podcast. This is a media podcast. Wrestling is is, is what my dad did. Um, if you uh, want to send in a Super Chat question or comment, you can do that by pressing the Super Chat button. Your, your Super Chat may or may not actually appear on the screen today. We are running an experiment. We'll see if it works. Um, <clears throat> but we will we will read your question uh, during it or if not during at the end of the program. Um, so I figured let's talk about YouTube. We've uh, sometimes I skip this o- over because there's not that much uh, time. Um, but I wanted I want to compare YouTube views of these clipped segments that WWE and AEW put out of their weekly TV shows as I've been preaching that what I think wrestling fans want and what ends up being kind of viral out of the, the, the quarter hours, you're better off looking to, to YouTube. And I'm, we're going to look at that in a sort of direct comparison here. So <clears throat> we, I've got two tables here. This is the first table with that includes things that are not weekly program show highlights. Um, number one, everybody's down on Ronda Rousey, but she doesn't care attack her fans don't like her but you know what guess who's number one this week in youtube charlotte flair versus ronda rousey rivalry history a wwe playlist uh, not a particular clip of any show but a playlist of some sort that's got 3.2 million views this morning um gathered 1.226 million views in the first 24 hours um second after that we're not going to list all these but second after that is a video titled from smackdown Mr. McMahon shuts down Sonia Deville. With, uh, I, I don't know what that was. Did you watch SmackDown this week, Chris Gull? Uh I did not. Did you watch any wrestling programming this week? I did. <laughs> you did. What did you watch? Well, here, well, here we go. People are going to call me uh, one-sided, but I did watch AW Dynamite. Oh, okay. You watched Dynamite. <laughs> did you watch Rampage? Yeah. I did not know. Oh, well, the ch- check must not have come in then. Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> um what did I, oh. I I think I think I am probably similar um I, I didn't I didn't watch Friday um but uh yeah so, so let's look at just the highlight clips uh this is the same thing just with these these uh other rows excluded we so we still got things like full match uh this is some sort of six-man tag from a smackdown years ago um but anyway if we look at just um TV show highlight clips. One, one thing that stands out right away is we've got an NXT clip in here in the top 20 for the you know first time. And I, I can't remember when um, the Dolph Ziggler. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Surprise challenger interrupts NXT championship summit. I'm pretty sure that's Dolph Ziggler showing up. That's the number five most viewed um, YouTube clip within 24 hours of its publishing over 700,000 views now uh, over a million. Um, the number two most viewed uh, YouTube clip within 24 hours of its publishing is the Keith Lee debut clip from Dynamite, followed by 
uh, CM Punk and MJF, their interaction from Dynamite. So Dynamite in, is number two and number three, just behind Vince McMahon doing his probably humiliation comedy. Uh, and then Lita and Becky Lynch is number four from Raw. Um, people didn't see what the rest of them are. Eventually, someday I will get to figure out a way to how I want to report this, this stuff publicly. Um, so my point is, so I, we actually have quarter hours um, this week of Raw, which is rare. Uh, I got my hands on quarter hours of Raw and as usual, Dynamite. So what I want to look at here is were the big segments, let's say, you know, the most viewed segments or the segments that actually grew in viewership, the quarters, we should say, how does that correlate to how these segments performed as YouTube clips? And what does that mean or not mean? So the most viewed, and now, now Raw was on Sci-Fi, which apparently led to low viewership in Q1 as people were figuring out what network it was on or deciding whether they wanted to watch the Olympics or the, whether they wanted to watch Raw. But um, the most viewed quarter in total viewership, not in the demo but close, is the quarter that included the Miz Maurice live promo with Rey Mysterio Dominic and Dominic versus the Miz. Um, <clears throat> does that even show up here? On, on our list of top segments. It does. It, 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 way down at number 16 with 300 some odd thousand views. Now about a half million. Um, and then below that is, is the live promo at number 18 with a similar number of views. So it's nowhere near the, the, the top spots, but it's the most viewed segment on um, in the quarter hours. So if I were, you know, on Twitter and, and I was quote tweeting Brandon Thurston's tweet, of, of the quarter hours, I would be like, oh my God, Miz is such a draw. Miz is a draw. Dominic's a draw. Um, but the quarter hours are sullied with all these problems, including commercial breaks, including its its position in time of, of where it is in the program, all these external factors that don't have that much bearing on the content itself. Um, just something to add there. And, and no, I, I, I did not. I just, when you did the, the quote tweet, I, it made me think of a tweet I saw this week on Twitter. It, they weren't quoting, quote tweeting something you said, but, uh, it was somebody screenshotted. So this fan said that, you know, the move of Keith Lee to AEW was a no name and no, nobody, nobody wants to, you know, and somebody found a tweet that he tweeted months earlier when Keith Lee returned on Raw. He said, Keith Lee's on Raw. This is amazing and all that. Yes. Well, there's there's a there's a culture war that we're uh, refereeing. Here, I think. Um, anyway, so is there is there, there there really aren't any other quarters here on the raw quarter hours that stand out to me? Is like, oh, look at this this one maybe coincided with an interest in or an e increase in interest. Um, the last two quarters, there's some tune out happening here for this uh, RK Bro and Owens and Rollins thing. Did that? Did that do okay anyway? Well, it kind of did. It was number six that the tag match was in terms of YouTube clips for the week. So it seems to have done okay in that regard. Um, but if you look at the quarters, maybe you could start to make an argument that, oh, people tuned out when this RK Bro and Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens stuff was happening. I don't know. Um, we, we turn to AW Dynamite. <clears throat> of course, Q1 was the most viewed quarter. Why do you think that is, Chris Gullo? Is it because... The Pinnacle MJF CM Punk uh, drew 1.2 million viewers to tune in and then tune out after. It's because of Sheldon Cooper. Because of Sheldon Cooper. Is that his last name? The Big Bang Theory. Yes. Uh, yeah. Probably probably transferred a lot of viewers 
uh, over. But uh, let's see. Um, the, the Keith Lee. So we know that the Keith Lee segment on YouTube as a YouTube clip, over a million views. We're approaching 2 million views here, 1.8. It's the second most viewed clip of any WWE or AEW. I mean, this is really of any wrestling clip. Um, there's nothing uh, in the a, in, in the non-AEW, non-WWE world that, that makes the list here. So I, I am looking at New Japan and NOAA and CMLL and Stardom and Dragon Gate and et cetera, et cetera, and, and Impact and things like that. Uh, and, and Ring of Honor, I don't think they're uploading any new videos. But uh, yeah, it's, it's only WWE and AEW that make the, make this top twenty list with uh, ever really. Um, so what was I saying? The Keith Lee segment, despite being you know one of the you know, the second most viewed wrestling show clip of the week, uh, is uh, you know it it coincides with a decrease in total viewership by a little bit, both in the demo. And in total viewership, where, you know, here it was in Q4 and Q4 uh, was 1.125 million viewers down from 1.186. So several tens of thousand viewers tuned out from the prior quarter for the Keith Lee quarter, uh, despite you had Isaiah Cassidy making his entrance and then an ad break. And then they returned from the ad break with the match. Um, I, I guess what I'm arguing here is as the person who who reports quarter hours before anybody else does, um, quarter hours are, can be pretty misleading. Um, or could you argue that, well, well, YouTube behavior is going to be really different from, from, from television behavior and actually television viewership in, in this granularity actually tells us something. Could you argue that? Um, I, I think this is, this YouTube viewership is probably not without its issues, right? It's the global audience. So, so I'm not saying compare the numbers to each other, but compare the rank to one another, compare the relative performance of, of a clip amongst all of its other clips, amongst all the other clips for the show and other shows for the week. Um, and I think there are fewer problems with YouTube clips than there are with quarter hours. If you're trying to understand what are the segments? Who are the stars that are attracting the most interest and that people are the most interested in, in, in checking out? Um, because why? Because the YouTube clips don't involve, uh, well, they kind of do involve ad breaks in the middle of them, but, um, but there's not, it's a very different experience. Right. And it's not like, uh, we're, we're, there's not, Two, there's not a YouTube clip with two segments in them. These are isolated segments for each different segment on the show. Um, and there's not a, uh, there's not all these different factors that come along with being in Q1 versus Q4 versus Q8 and so on. So I think it's a cleaner, a cleaner way to do analysis. If, if you're one of those people that wants to know who's a draw. I mean, I, I mean, I will say this though. I mean, if you look at the quarter hours, and I know, like you said, it's it's not a clear cut as the YouTube data, but it is interesting that other than the lead-in segment, which included CM Punk, anyways, that the two highest-rated overall audience segments, be, and I think this is that older audience, is the uh, the the Jericho segment, and then the CM Punk John Moxley beginning of the tag team match you know, CM Punk mystery partner. Like, I mean, and those are probably, you know, two of the three biggest former WWE names that they have. Mm -hmm. And to be clear, I got, I got to insert all these caveats. So people don't go crazy, but 
TV viewership is way more important, way more valuable than YouTube viewership, right? I can, you know, you know if either WWE or AW gets a million views for some clip on YouTube, maybe they make a thousand dollars. Okay. And that's great. That's fine. That's wonderful. If, you know, but TV, uh, AW is probably averaging something like a million dollars an episode, $800,000 an episode over the course of four years for the value of what their TV deal is. Uh, WWE is making like four or five million dollars per episode. So the monetization is way, way different. Totally different scale. Um, I'm talking about simply punditry, basically. <laughs> or if you're in a wrestling company trying to analyze and understand who are our stars that are um who are getting over who are uh attracting interest i think that's that's a better way to go about it again as as somebody who reports these quarter hours and i i I could tell you the quarter hours mean everything sign up for the patreon get the quarter hours because you do and you get the quarter hours by the way in more than just total viewership and key demo you get the quarter at least for for the AEW shows you get the 18 to 34 you get the m 18 to 49 you get all all these extra demos and extra charts and, and tables where I break down the numbers and you can get that for $5 a month on Patreon. But I'm not sure the quarter hours tell you everything that sometimes often people act like they do. Um, and I think adding it into your analysis, which is hard to extract, right? And this is what I'm trying to do here. Adding into your analysis. Well, how do these clips do on YouTube? I think is, is, is informative to say. So, Oh, the argument that you're trying to make, and I think this is probably good if I can simple it, is, is that the product, the people, the stars that people are actually seeking out, going a little further than just tuning their television on. You gotta go to YouTube, you gotta find AEW YouTube or buy like merchandise from AEW shop. Those stars that are hitting, you know, high numbers, that is really how you can see your value. Like, oh, maybe we should put this person on TV more because maybe we'll attract higher ratings. Who and what the what the matches are or what this what the segments are that are attracting interest, I think, are more reliably reflected in in quarter hours, especially if you're okay. a, a, a lay reader who may not be aware of, of all of the, the external factors and complications that come along with trying to and analyze quarter hours, including commercial breaks that happen in the middle of, of the quarter. Um or on, on they they happen somewhere in the quarter. Picture in picture breaks that happen during a match. Uh, other people's segments, totally different segments that happen within the arbitrary fifteen minutes that we're looking at. Uh, the position within the two hour or three hour program where that segment is placed. If it's in Q one and, and you're on Dynamite, you're probably going to be the most viewed quarter of the show, and it's got next to nothing to do with your content. It's got to do with the Big Bang Theory and the strength of the lead-in. The top of the hour often does really well because people are maybe tuning out from other programs and joining this program, Um, probably among other things that I'm not thinking of right now. Um, But anyway. All right, well, we will will move on uh, to a story that was uh, reported originally from Pro Football Talk saying that Tony Khan filed for Congress in Florida to run for Congress in Florida. Uh, Tony Khan responded, the fact checking standard for pro football talk reporting is lower than that of WWE's roving reporter, Tony Schiavone. I'm definitely not running for Congress. The filing is faker than Eddie Gilbert's apology to Tommy Rich in 1984. PFT sources are as trustworthy as MJF. So I like it. You know, he's 
refuting a story and putting over his talent in a very Tony Khan manner, a very Tony yes. Khan tweet. Uh, I'm surprised there's no hashtag AW Dynamite or something. Um, our friend, referee DJ Jarka, I, I, I early in the morning on whatever day this was, what day would this be? Three days ago, Thursday or yeah, uh, Thursday. It, it broke. Did it break Friday morning? It was. It, it was, was Thursday. Thursday. No, Thursday broke Thursday. Yes. Yeah, it was Thursday. Uh, Jarka messages me this this link to the the Pro Football Talk article. So I'm so I'm clicking into it. I'm trying to drill down to where this information is ultimately coming from. And there's FEC filing. The FEC filing. So uh, this is where you can look up people's political campaign contributions and so forth, and, and a lot of other election related information. And lo and behold, there's uh, a statement of candidacy, FEC form two, for Mr. Tony Khan, uh, with the address of the the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium as his purported address um designation of principal campaign committee uh, on this form is listed as i hereby designate the following named political committee as principal campaign committee for my for the 2022 election where purportedly he would be running for the house of representatives and i believe the fourth district of florida um but uh you know it this is not a real this is not aw's tony Khan running for for congress uh but somehow a fake how do you how do you fake this i don't know um but yeah a lot, a lot of red flags here in terms of this was filed, dated September thirteenth, twenty twenty one. So this is not exactly new. Um, Tony is not Tony Khan's complete first name, uh, and things of that nature. Who knows what this is or who's behind this? But the well, they also story. went with the standard address of the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium too, right? Not not a personal address. I don't know if that matters, but a non-story. So we can move on. Um, I, I let me just no. set this. Go, 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 ah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say I was going to lead into the next segment. But okay. <laughs> okay. Well, lead into the next segment. Listen, people are listening on audio right now. They don't have no idea what's, what's about to happen next. Anything can happen here in the world of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're actually going to some data. They really haven't uh, broken down too much uh, in the last few weeks episode, but uh, some ticket data from our friends at Russell Ticks. Yes. Yeah, so I, I heard that the Observer reported that the paid attendance in January for AEW events on average, on average, not in total, was higher than AEW. Does that, does that stand to scrutiny? Um, so I look at estimated tickets distributed from WrestleTix, and uh, <clears throat> the average tickets distributed was higher. I, I would not, I, I don't see any reason to, at least in January, to give either AEW or WWE a stronger estimated comp rate, like free tickets rate. I, I, I would go like 5%. As a, as, a, as a basic assumption. Um, and according to WrestleTix, I, I get um, Dynamite averaging slightly, slightly higher attendance than Raw, but not higher than SmackDown. And I think that's the, that's the apt way to look at it because those are the similar products with WWE. You throw in house shows and house shows, which are not immune from maybe criticism about what they're doing and why aren't house shows drawing. Um, and should house shows even happen anymore? But um, but I think that comparing Dynamite to Raw and comparing Dynamite to SmackDown is the apt comparison because those are weekly TV programs. Um, and SmackDown consistently, uh, usually, actually, as I look at this, is usually the most attended and more often than not, right, is, is, is more attended than the others. Uh, a lot of this might have to do with market, which we'll, we'll talk about at least in terms of January. But uh, f- for... January, 
Dynamite averaged 5,583 tickets distributed. 5,583. Raw averaged 5,421. So a virtually equal. Raw slightly lower. SmackDown averaged 6,393. <clears throat> so uh, in, in December... Uh, there was a slight margin. Raw was ahead by by about 20 tickets distributed on average, uh, but SmackDown was way ahead with 9,000, whereas, whereas uh, the other two had 6,200. Anyway, I don't want to recite a bunch of numbers because it's probably just uh, numbing people. But um, what I do have listed here on the screen for people watching on YouTube are the markets that each of these programs went to in January. Remember, SmackDown outdrew the other two and Raw... Dynamite were very close. Dynamite just ahead. Um, I'll just run through the, the markets real quick. We have Raw in Greenville, Dynamite in New York. Well, let me just say Raw was in Greenville, Philadelphia, Tulsa, Toledo, and Cincinnati. Dynamite was in Newark, New Jersey, Raleigh, North Carolina, Washington, D.C., Cleveland, Ohio. SmackDown was in Uncastville. Am I saying that right? Connecticut, Omaha, Nebraska, Nashville, Tennessee, and Kansas City, Missouri without now we, what we could do is let's uh look up each metro area and look at you know who had the the stronger metro population to to draw from but do any of those uh do, do does either raw dynamite or smackdown uh stand out to you go as oh they they drew they had they were going to bigger markets or they were going to smaller markets in january and the, all these markets seem pretty similar to me like some have some big markets, some have a little bit of smaller markets, but they all seem pretty big to me. And just, you know, Unkissville, Connecticut, that's the Mohegan Sun. So I was just used that's Mohegan Sun area. Is that the name of a of a municipality? Is that near Hartford no, or something? Well, Mohegan Sun is the is the big casino that's there, but it's that's pretty much what that town's known for. They used to they never used to say the city on raw programs. They would just say live for the Mohegan Sun. Like they will not say the city at. unless it's a major city. Yeah. Because they don't want to be, I'm sure, like I'm sure they didn't say that we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma tonight. Um, but I, I would say, in the case of Raw, with the exception of Philadelphia, um, maybe Cincinnati. I mean, Toledo is a smaller market. Greenville is probably a smaller market. Um, Raleigh, in the case of Dynamite, might be a smaller market. Washington D.C. is a big market. Cleveland might be a mid mid-sized market. Newark is not. Newark is a big market where con conceivably. People from the New York City area are going. Um, but Omaha is probably a smaller market. I don't know about Uncasville, Mohegan Sun, uh, but Nashville and Kansas City are, are larger markets. But yeah. There is a small population in Uncasville. But, uh, but like I said, once again, it's the Mohegan Sun perspective of it. Mm -hmm. They should just rename the city to Mohegan Sun, Connecticut. <laughs> is that like a brand, though? Is that That's probably like a, a company. No. no. Well, that is the, the that is the name of of the casino and arena that that's there and it's been there for years. It's pretty pretty legendary. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. In Unkinsville, Connecticut, uh, it's also has the Connecticut Boxing Hall of Fame and many others in there. So, okay. Oh, there's also Foxwoods too. That's a big casino, and that's in like a different city. But well, that's where Beyond is. That where Beyond ran that one uh, the, the one American Rana. I think so. Yeah, because I remember Foxwoods yeah. was you know. All, all, all said many times in promotion for for American Rana. What I think twenty nineteen. Anyway, um, moving on. 
and then from there. Moving on. Yes. Uh, we're going to dig a little deeper into 18 to 49 viewership. Well, this is a result of I'm trying to write a uh, for this upcoming week, a estimate of WB, an outlook of WB's stock company. And I'm trying to the continuous search for how to, in an intuitive enough manner, in a way that's going to be easy enough to understand from somebody who's not seeped in this data, how can, how can I express that these programs, although their viewership is in decline over the long course of time, is still among the most popular programs on television? Um, and this is one way I'm trying to do it, um, using something called a percent rank, which I'm, I'm not sure how or if it's different from a percentile. We've all heard people say, such and such was in, in the 95th percentile. Honestly, I don't know what that means. I need to learn what that means. But here I've done a percent percentage rank on an annual basis for all the major wrestling programs to illustrate where do these programs rank among programming generally, which I think is really important for valuing these programs. There are other aspects that value them, you know, that, that, that determine their value, including their ad rates, including how much they can flow viewers to other programming on the network. But the viewership is really important. Um, and it's, it's, yes, we can look at just the pure numbers and I can draw a line graph, especially for raw. And, it, and, I, and it's just a squiggly line down and to the right. And I can tweet it. And Lord knows people will quote tweet it and have their reactions about, oh my God, the business is dead. But what really determines the, the way to, to read viewership, if you're thinking about the media rights value of it, popularity might be a different question, but if you're thinking about the media rights value is how popular is this program relative to others programming generally. And, uh, and I've got uh, raw in the, in the top 5% as of Q1 2022 this quarter in the top 5% of programs in 18 to 49. Um, if you look at this column chart that I've got on the screen, it looks like maybe it's in slight decline beginning. This begins in 2017 and goes on to the present on a quarterly basis. By the way, how am I calculating this? Um, I took each, each year isolated. Okay. So I said, give me all the data for 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and so far in 2020. In, in 2022, 2021, and then in 2022, each year, right? From 2017 onward. And I said, give me the, the, the percent rank for this program. Um, and then what I did was, you know, give me, the, give me the percent rank for this program. And then I just averaged it for that year or for that period. And, uh, you know, we got raw in the top 3%, top 5%. Maybe there's a little bit of a decline, but it's not a consistent, predictable decline. Is this a sign of a trend? Time will tell. But I don't know if this is it, – it, it, it was you know it's down from the top 3% to the, to the top 5% here. If I'm saying that right, people are smarter than math. I hope are watching and will correct me if I'm wrong in, in the way I'm phrasing this. Um, SmackDown. Granted, SmackDown has been moved from the USA Network to Fox. So it, it should be improved, and it is. It was in the top 5% in Q1 2017. Now, in Q1 2022, in the top 3% of – all programming, and when I say all programming, well, not really. All cable originals and broadcast primetime, i.e. the Showbiz Daily data from Nielsen. Um, NXT, at the beginning in Q3 
3, 2019, not really a fair place to start. These are only include those two episodes where they ran un, unopposed. Um, but even before that, it's, you know, even after that, it's down from where it was. It's now in the top 30% or so. Um, so NXT has, has, has declined. It's sort of been all over the place, but it's at a substantially lower place, way lower place than where Raw or SmackDown is. And that's consistent with my view that NXT is not a very valuable program relative to Raw and SmackDown. Um, Dynamite, though. This looks great for Dynamite. So you should love this, Gullo. Uh Dynamite just goes up and to the right. In fact, in Q4, their very first quarter, I got a percent rank, average percent rank of 82%. They're, so that means they're in the top, what, 18% or so. That's not bad. Now in Q1 2022, they're in the top 6% of all programming cable originals and broadcast primetime. Um, Rampage in that strong first quarter in the top 9%. And now in the top 14%. So I think this is perhaps a good tool to understand the value of a program. This will you'll, you'll see this in my estimate when I'm, when I'm done writing it. <clears throat> All right. Uh, we will uh, move on to Google trends as we can kind of really get granular with Google trends today. As we haven't done this in quite some time, Brandon. Well, it's a new month. Actually, I think it was a new month last week, but, I'm taking the time to look at it this week, and uh, we're, we're going to look at uh, just company data. I didn't, I didn't pull any personal data. By that, I mean personality data for for wrestlers. But we've got uh, WWE is up. WWE is up in, in in worldwide Google web search. AW is flat. It's Jan- so we're talking about up. I'm talking about the monthly. This is this is monthly data. So for January, WWE was up both on a worldwide basis and. On a United States basis, it's domestic market. But it's January. Why why would why would WWE be up in January? Any guesses, Chris Gullo? The Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble. Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey. Rousey. Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon, maybe. Uh, although the Rumble was on the 31st of January. Very end of the month. Uh, was towards um no no no, no. it wasn't it was on, on the 31st it's on the 29th it's on the tw- 29th yeah yeah anyway um so i think the question the, the appropriate question to ask is how does this january compare to other januaries and the, and the answer is from last year's january it is down seven percent so this uh this this narrative that people like you Golo, have been trying to throw at wb about how wb's in, in in secular decline in terms of its popularity um this supports that down 7% from last year. So as you can see from, from these line charts, it's, 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 it's an, it's a squiggly line. It's a squiggly line because there's seasonality to, to wrestling interest and at least the WWE interest when, in terms of the Royal rumble and WrestleMania, the months that contain those events are going to be up from their surrounding months. So, but um, you know, we've got in the, in the year of year comparisons for each month. I mean, we're, I'm looking at a table here on YouTube right now. And you can see it's it's all negative comparisons for for you know I don't know how many months this would be years upon years of of, of months we've got one positive comparison back here in June 2019 that is the last time there was a positive year over year comparison for a month on a worldwide basis for WD's Google Web Search Google Web Search whatever Google Web Search is worth we can debate that but up two percent June 2019 every month after has been negative and that was exceptional. You know, there's it's really beginning in 2017. It's mostly negative comparisons, often by double digits uh, on a worldwide basis. Now, what about the United States? 
What about the United States? United States in January was even a 0% difference. Comparing this to a time when there was uh, a pandemic Thunderdome era Royal Rumble. Um, so maybe I could throw that caveat in and say, well, it better be up. But the United States is even, um, whatever that means. July 2021 in the United States, there was a positive year-over-year difference for July. And what happened in July 2021? Uh, July 2021 was... What, what you know, could be driving that? SummerSlam was what uh, what what happened in July 2021 that hadn't happened in a long time for WWE? Oh, live touring. They had humans with a pulse in attendance. Um, they went. They came back to touring. Yes. Um, interestingly, that's it. It was the, the blow was softened on a worldwide basis. I suppose it was only a three percent negative year over year difference for July, um, but up ten percent. So the, the thing that we're learning here, right, is that. The United States in general seems to be more charitable with Google web search with this analysis of Google web search versus the worldwide picture. Um, why would that be? Is international interest sort of under indexing the domestic interest in WB? I don't know, but that's a thought that comes to mind when looking at this data. Now, AEW, AEW, when we look at this on a linear basis, sequentially uh, in the United States, AEW is up a little bit from the prior month, December, uh, up a little bit on a worldwide basis. So what are the year-over-year differences for AEW on a worldwide basis in January, January 2022, compared to January 2021? Web search on a worldwide basis for AEW was up 37%. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, that's that's a, a, a good sign, I guess, for AEW. In December, year over year, it was down 11%. I suppose you can imagine December 2020, there was maybe a peak. Maybe that's a what, what Frank Riddick would call a tough comparison, comparing December 2020 to December 2021 for AEW, where um, – I, I always think of the ratings that they did in December 2020, where uh, AEW benefited from the Winter is Coming event, and they benefited from the, the uh, debut of Sting. Uh, in terms of web search, web search is not always the result of good news. You have the passing of Brody Lee as well. That might have been boosting the number in December 2020. Um, so there's that. Um, you can see back here in August and September, what I think of as pretty hot months for AEW with the debut of CM Punk and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole. More than doubled in August and September from the August and September of 2020. Uh, do we see something similar on a United States basis? Something similar. January 2022 is up 44%. We, st- we see the doubling of web search on a year-over-year basis in August and September, the Punk and Brian months. And we see a little bit of a negative delta in December 2021. So interesting things to watch going forward. That's how the big, big leagues in the United States look. And then we turn to Japan, where um, New Japan not looking great here, as we'll get to. But stardom. Uh, let's, let's, let's look at this, this, this chart for people on, watching on YouTube. Look at this. I've, now, now, I'll be, be, be clear. I don't know that I've ever watched a stardom match. I should. But look at this. Look at this line. We've got what we've got here for people listening in audio is I've got a line chart of the of the Google web search wow. just in just in Japan, just in Japan. And we've uh, excluded New Japan. New Japan is by far the leader. 
in web search in Japan. New Japan is by far the leader. So I've taken what I would think are, I, 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 and I believe I've checked this out to make sure I am looking at the next most searched for promotions. And those are uh, Stardom, WWE. Yes, New Japan is above WWE in Japan. Uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, Dragon Gate, and All Japan Pro Wrestling. And if you look at, in the let's let's travel back in time to the middle of last year. And what you would find if you were in the middle of last year is just a jumble of all these promotions together. Yeah, there are, there is some kind of stratification. All Japan is at the bottom. WB and Stardom are kind of at the top. Noah and Dragon Gate are in the middle, but they're pretty close. Um, towards the second half of last year, though, Stardom has just it's a rocket going through going through the roof here. Um, does that translate into other forms of business? I don't know. Attendance, I'm not going to bother to try to analyze in, in this era uh, in, in Japan until uh, events in Japan are, are run without restriction and, and capacity limits. Um, but stardom through the roof. Um, now, I mean, they're at, at, what I, at what I am almost certain is their all-time high here uh, for, for web search. This is an index, by the way. So Google Trends never tells you an absolute unit of search volume. They give you an index relative to everything else. And I use Python to, to uh, scrape this data. Um, and we can only look at it sort of in, we can only look at it relative to other data points within a timeline or other uh, topics uh, on the same timeline. So bad news for, for new Japan, new Japan in January. Uh, not so great. Web search is usually at a high in January for New Japan. Why would that be, Chris Gull? Why would January's web search be a be a good month for New Japan? Any Wrestle ideas? Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom, the biggest event of the year by far. Uh, and uh, it, even in Japan, where I think there's been more stability, uh, in, at least in terms of their web search in, in their domestic market of Japan, that was down 31% from last year. Last year, it was down 11%. So this, this year... It's down from that diminished state in 2021, down an additional 31%, uh, where you can see, you know, back in the years of 2018 and 2019 and 2020, interest, I should, I should not say interest, web search continued to grow. Now, on a worldwide basis, New Japan desires to be a global company, uh, down 21%. So, so not down as badly as I think some of the, the, uh, the web search had already suffered in prior years. It was down in 2019. It was even in 2020. It was down in, in last year by 11% and down this year by 21%. Whereas there was strong growth from, from the glory days of the 2010s right through 2012 through 2018. There was growth every year on a global basis in January. Um, and if we look at, do I have just the United States here? I do. The United States, it's, it's the worst of all. Um, it's, it's been down in January on a year over year basis from in 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022 this year, um, down 50% from last year's already diminished state. And, um, anecdotally that lines up with what I hear is that, you know, people were not that interested in, you know, people in the, in the English speaking world or the United States world, not that interested in Wrestle Kingdom this year. Um, I did, I did watch part of it lives as it happened and like fell asleep on the couch or whatever. But yeah, interest in new Japan, I would say is at its lowest point since, um, 
since it since it started to become popular in the United States, whatever that means. Go go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, um, you know, on on a United States interest level, obviously it seems like the kind of jump to AEW that Omega and the Bucks did for sure. Um in, in early nineteen hurt. But do you also think that even may have hurt them in like is the Japanese audience interests also maybe a little waned from those stars leaving too? I think somewhat, but not nearly as much as as the yeah. Western audiences. Um, but I think the pandemic hurts. I think the the audience being just a clap crowd hurts. Um I think sort of the you know there's there's something in, in wrestling you know you, you can be a certain age but you can also be a tv age in that you know okada and and tanahashi and uh people like that had a great run and then there's it's kind of time for and, and naito she's oh, not forget naito and uh you know they had a great run and this is kind of time for another star to be created i guess you know you have jf shingo there being elevated but um it's hard to elevate stars in this pandemic environment where you don't have the full crowd reaction and it's a limited capacity and things like that. Um, and, and Japan has been much more cautious to their credit about, about COVID. Um, but that's limiting W or W that's limiting. I think what, when Japan is able to achieve um, and, and maybe Gato's, you know, not the, not the doing the great booking work that he, that he once did either. Uh, people have been critical of, of the creative, the booking in new Japan in uh, last year or two, at least. Okay. One thing else I would just want to say about that is, is where we saw Jay White appear on mm-hmm. Dynamite. And as far as I know, he is still under contract with yeah. New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, you know, I think at the, it gets to some point, maybe they aren't asking for it because of the pandemic, but it gets to some point that I would think New Japan would want some of those AEW stars to also come over there. And maybe that would help with interest and attendance once things are fully open. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate for New Japan that you know like, travel is obviously an issue and people having to quarantine. I don't know what the latest is on the on the the, the travel safety protocols for Japan going in or going out. But uh, I'm saying this for nearly two years. Hopefully, this pandemic is over with someday, and you know people can travel like they did in 2019 again. Um, and and then maybe we'll see uh, if if New Japan can regain some of its ground. But, yeah. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Yeah, we will uh, move to Saudi Arabia, the home of the Elimination Chamber premium live event that WWE is is hosting. And uh, you got some uh, interesting uh, WWE influencing the world social media from this. So. Yes, WWE is influencing the world. Have you heard? Have you heard? I, I, 
I've I've heard in so many different types of ways. <laughs> Clearly, WWE sent out a news blast or something, or uh, sent out a message to to its uh, wrestlers and or employees, and uh, and we've got I don't know something like 10, 10 tweets here on the screen of 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 wrestlers and referees on Twitter sharing in various contexts the phrase WWE continues to influence the world with images of uh, a billboard. In, in Saudi Arabia, presumably. Uh, yes, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, featuring uh, Becky Lynch and Lita uh, advertising the Elimination Chamber event, which is Saturday or Sunday? When is that? <clears throat> uh, I, it's, it's on a Saturday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, are, are, are you sick about, of hearing about uh, Saudi Arabia yet, Chris Gull? I just, you know, we, we talked about it last week. I want to see international big international events in other countries large scale international large events. scale international events in in, in in other countries that's the, that's what i want to see um i think we all have our political thoughts on saudi arabia and i'm not going to get into that rabbit hole here but uh i i'd like to see these super shows somewhere else mm. <laughs> yeah i just want to bring up a few points um about saudi uh, i mean about um, the large scale international events uh, that uh, people uh, including including you, Chris Cole, have been like ridiculously negative about lately. I mean, I know you were you were complaining a lot about it last week, and uh, I just uh, I don't think I, I got through to you. But um, <laughs> I mean, like, th- think about this. D- don't you think it's 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 pretty hypocritical? Um, I mean, to be so critical about these events because W is being part of the change. They're continuing to influence the world out of the goodness of their hearts, and. Remember when, when in 2018, there's all this controversy about whether the event was going to happen because, um, you know, Jamal Khashoggi was murdered by Saudi agents, uh, lured to Istanbul and, and killed and dismembered. But at the end of the day, it's like Stephanie McMahon said, it's a business decision. It's just, it's just a business decision. So why should why should morality come into it? Well, I, I think it's more I, I mean, look where the event has grown the last couple of years. Honestly, a few years ago, we talked about it, of course, in the media because of what it was, but it seemed like it was just another date. Now they put these events on a precedent that they're just as important as the big four. Do you, you think so? You, that, that's how you feel about I, it? That's that, the way they present it and talk about it. I mean, the Elimination Chamber is getting Roman Reigns versus, versus Goldberg, that, that premium live event. That would be something you would only see on a big four. Well, they have to. I mean, it, <laughs> I mean the 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 Saudi government. They have a lot of really big W fans there, and you know, they it's only right to to give them big matches. You know, it's uh, it's 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 unfortunate that in today's climate, that everybody wants to be like so negative about these and uh, just cancel everybody just because they don't they don't like these events. You know, I mean, it's 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 all about being tolerant of other people's cultures. You're you're, you're for that, right, Chris Gall? It's, it's, it's like the leadership. It's like the leadership at WWE said. Uh, we have to accept other people's cultures while being part of the change. You know, it's uh, you know, you gotta you gotta accept other people's even even when their their culture they, they might be you know extremely sexist or homophobic or xenophobic or murderous or you know all those things. But you, you just if you're if you're WWE, you just have to accept that and go with it and and, and take the money um, because yeah, no, know, there's at the uh, the. There, there, there's a difference between tolerance and, uh, you know, 
yeah, but, saying, but, but at the end, end of the day, ignoring something. At the end of the day, there's nothing we can really do about it. Okay, you know, our our voices don't matter, our our actions don't matter, and you know, you just have to embrace it and give up. And if if, if there's anything that that people should have learned here, you know, listening and watching WrestleNomics, is that money is really the only thing that you can really count. And and that really matters. I mean, you know, think about. Um, are you aware of the uh, the documentary about Jamal Khashoggi, the dissident? You know, there's a reason that that film couldn't get distrib- distribution anywhere because people don't want MBS's army of troll bots coming after them. And uh, you know, Saudi Arabia has got a lot of money. Um, I mean, what's what's WWE supposed to do? Just not take the money, not take the fifty million dollars? They got they, they're. I mean, well, I know they had their most profitable year ever, and they would have had their most profitable year ever, even if they didn't have this deal with Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. But um, it's about the, it's about the change, though. It's about these shows are about being part of the change and normalizing the Saudi government, uh, making making people forget about bad things, putting smiles on people's faces, entertainment, being positive, and why shouldn't why shouldn't WB be involved in that? I mean, here's the thing, though, like. I mean, I'll give them credit in the aspect of they're doing stuff that have never been done before, there before. I mean, they had the women's wrestling match, and now to have it be featured and promoted as it is. But isn't it kind of ridiculous that having a women's wrestling match, I think when they did it, what, 2019, was a first time ever? I think 2020. In 2019? I think, I think February 2020. Um, 2020. Even, it just makes my case even more. Like, that's, you know... I believe in equal rights for everyone. That's just, you know, call me, call me, call me crazy. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Go. I, I think it's a, it's a slippery slope because if you're going to criticize Saudi Arabia, um, as everybody knows, you're only allowed to criticize bad things. Uh, if you're going to criticize all bad things and, you know, including right here in the U S and so don't, don't throw stones. I mean, well, let's not, let's not talk about throwing stones, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, I mean, you're free. You're free to. to I'm all. I'm an advocate for free speech, and you know, you're you're free to have your opinion, um, just as long as you don't say it in Saudi Arabia or about Saudi Arabia, um, about about the about the government specifically, because um, they have a lot of money. And uh, but other, but other than that, other than that, um, free speech. I'm all for free speech. Yeah, intolerance. After this episode, I don't think we're going to get paid to go do a uh, WrestleNomics live show in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Hey, look, if uh, if if any MBS is uh, troll bots want to want to you know uh, talk to me about how uh, how great the kingdom is, how great how generous and progressive the government is, you know, I'm all see wrestling journalism. You have to understand. Uh, I know you're new to this, but wrestling journalism is all about our job is about being a friend to people. <laughs> Especially people have a lot of money or, 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 or power. Oh, <laughs> um, real quick, MJ, he actually gave us a super chat. It was just giving us props when we were actually discussing the new Japan data, but he brought up a, a something I didn't know that Phil Mickelson is getting 50 million to play in the Saudi golf league. See, everybody's <laughs> doing it. Everybody's doing it. Can't be that bad. Oh, UFC All goes right. there too, I think. UFC does some sort of business in Saudi Arabia, I think, right? See? Uh, no, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was Qatar or United Arab Emirates. Mm. Okay. I think it was Qatar. Okay. It was Qatar. Yeah. Okay. Um, like 90% sure. <laughs> that could be wrong. But 
but yeah, so let's 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 go uh, back to kind of breaking I'll be, down um, some data here. I'll be real quick. I, I will be on Thursday in the, on the post wrestling daily news update, and we will be discussing Saudi Arabia and WWE's relationship. And nothing, nothing against the obviously the people there are whatever they I'm sure there's plenty of WWE fans there, but these are events unlike almost any events in wrestling history. These are not events to attract that are being put on because they think they can go to a local market and sell tickets. These are events that are three times the biggest were worth three times the biggest live gate in pro wrestling history to put on these fabulous shows for the government. Government's paying. So, so, so is the whole wrestling business doing it wrong? Brandon does do, instead of mania weekend, does it need to be, Saudi Crown Jewel weekend where all the indie promotions run around town and there's WrestleCon and there's the collective and just is that what you're saying by these numbers? Have to be some, I think there have, have to be some content editing um, around some of the uh, independent wrestling uh, <laughs> promotions. But anyway. Uh, um, MJ Answer is referring to this topic. So yeah, okay. well, thank you. Thank you for the props acknowledging this. Thought he meant it came in right around the cusp of both topics. So thank um, you, MJ. But, but yeah, so uh, no, but in, in all seriousness, I, I get the finance, like their business, and that's, you know, corporate businesses, some corporate businesses that the, the money is, um, you know, of all evil, you know, whatever your thoughts are on. Saudi Arabia, WWE financially doing it. I mean, you could see why they're doing it, even if you don't agree with it, which I don't. But so negative, though. So negative. It's, it's, uh... <laughs> What's the, well, MJ brought something else up in the chat, and I guess I keep referring to it, but brought up the Olympics. And the Olympics in China, that also, too, kind of bothers me, too. That's time. a large-scale international event, I'll say. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Um, and in, in, a, in a country like China, it's probably I'm not a geopolitical expert, but, uh, you know, everything is controlled by the government almost. Right. Something like that. So you could look at look at the Olympics as being, you know, who are they paying? And when you're doing business in China, you're probably ultimately paying the government in some way. So um, and and the Olympics are, you know, what, what's what's better propaganda than sports? But, yeah. And that. Uh- MJ uh, put it the uh, super chat was for this topic, not New Japan. It, it, the new super chat we got for him, and Peacock doing the Saudi China sports double dip for premium content. So Peacock is benefiting off Indeed. this as well. Indeed, right? Yeah, you don't want to. I mean, remember when John Cena? Uh, he he accidentally called Taiwan a country. Oh my goodness. Anyway, no. let's move on. <laughs> we. we, we we will uh, move on here. Uh, we actually want to dig a little deeper into your pro wrestling industry report that you published, Brandon. Um, when it comes to AEW and how much revenue are they actually making? Um, so I have done this two years in a row now as part of the industry report, which you can get by being a Patreon patron or by buying on PayHip. Uh, link to either would be in the description of whatever you're listening or watching. Um, so, AEW, by my estimation, made about somewhere in the neighborhood of $84 million of revenue in 2021, which would be up from 63,000, 63,000, 63 million. Did I just say thousand? 84 million in 2021, which would be up from 63 million in 2020, largely driven by, by our favorite 
kind of revenue in, in, in pro wrestling t- today, escalating TV rights fees. Uh, no idea what they're making in profit. I would guess that they're not profitable if only because Tony Khan disclosed to Forbes that he has a, what did, what did he say? Nine figure? What, what, would, what would $10 million be? Some, something that is at least $10 million uh, of an investment in, in gaming which I would guess is related to their gaming partners. Um, so $84 million, if you compare that to WWE, which uh, reported $1.1 billion in revenue in 2021. Um, so if we look at how, how I broke that down, and again, this stuff is all in the industry report, but um, most of that is media, of course. I, I'm I'm estimating in 2020 that 51 million out of the 63 is media, 62 million out of the 84 million is media. Um, I think so. We know that the the, the Turner deal, the US TV deal, which is by far their biggest piece of revenue, it accounts for it account for half, accounts for about half of the revenue. I, I estimate in 2021. So to give you an idea of how important that partnership is that relationship between AEW and Warner Media slash Turner, uh, about half of the company's revenue, I believe, comes from Turner for the for the broadcasting of Dynamite and Rampage. Um, so we know because of Tony Khan's public comments that the TV deal is worth $175 million over four years. If we divide that by four, that means that contract has an average annual value of presumably – million dollars. I am assuming that there's something like a 10% escalator per year. So, so I put that at year one, something around now, I believe there's an ad revenue share still a part of this, a a minority percentage of the payments that AW gets, I believe are still ad revenue, but a lot of it is guaranteed. Let's say 90% of it is guaranteed. Um, so I'm estimating in year one, well, in, in 2020. So that would be year one, right? Because that deal was renewed in January. And this appears to be a deal that runs in the calendar year, January to December. Um, and I believe they are annual escalators. That, that I believe, is the norm in the media environment. So I believe every year, contractually, much like WWE, that AW gets a certain percentage increase in its TV payments from its U.S. partner. So I'm assuming about $37.5 million in 2020 just from Turner. And then you escalate that in the following year of 2021 up by about 10%. I believe that's what's being calculated here, up to $41 million. Um, And then AW has TV deals throughout the world, not as proliferated as WWE, but, but they did gain an India deal here. Uh, they have a UK deal. I'm guessing the UK deal is their second most valuable deal. Um, so that this television money, I'm estimating as up to in 2021, uh, $46.5 million, which would be up from $41.2 million in the prior year. Um, we know pay-per-view. We have a pretty good idea what the pay-per-view numbers are because of reporting, uh, I guess, by me and and, and the Observer. Um so if we add up all of their pay-per-view sales, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming that the average domestic price is $50, and the average international price is $40, it comes out to $11.7 million. Again, these are all estimates, $11.7 million in 2021, which would be up from 7.1 naturally because we had 
pay-per-views that are, I believe were all up year over year. Revolution was up from the prior year. Double or Nothing was up from the prior year. All Out was the highest selling pay-per-view ever. And Full Gear was higher by a wide margin than the year before. So that's pay-per-view. YouTube, I believe, was down just by virtue of, I see evidence that YouTube views were down in 2021 versus 2020. Um, tickets, thanks to WrestleTix, we can get a pretty good idea of how tickets performed since the since touring went back on the road. Um, and I used some observer data for 2020. And I assumed, uh, you know, I took some percentages off of that to assume paid sales. I took about 5% off of the WrestleTix tickets distributed to assume paid sales. Um, for e-commerce sales, I believe I'm taking about 10%. So assuming that WWE, you know, makes 10 times the revenue of AEW, I made an e-commerce estimate taking about 10% of what WWE generates in e-commerce uh, to get an estimate for AEW's e-commerce. And I estimated uh, $12 venue merch per paid ticket, uh, which comes out to something like, what would this be? $8 million in merchandise sales uh, in 2021, which would be up from $5.3 million in 2020. Um, and then licensing uh, it's hard to gauge what these mobile games are worth. I, I estimated in the low hundreds of thousands. Um, and I estimated, is this high? $2 million for Jazzwares for the action figures. Um, as I look at that mm. today, I'm, I wonder if that's high. Um, and nothing yet from the console game, because that's not released yet. Uh, but that gets us to $11 million in consumer products. I'm using sort of this, the model that, that, that we're familiar with from WWE where you've got media, which is by far the biggest piece, and then live events and consumer products that are actually close in terms of the revenue that they, that they generate. Um, again, everybody wants to know, and I know it's kind of a, a topic of you know tension among some wrestling fans about whether or not AEW is profitable and Tony Khan just spending a bunch of money and buying up all this talent. Um, but I would think that the, the video game investment is assuring that this company is probably not profitable, but it's an investment. Perhaps it'll pay off. Um, yeah, I, I would assume that AW is not profitable, and they're still, you know, in the in the startup phase. They're still well, as, as MJ and I talked in the in the preview to the to the, the WE quarterly call. Um, you you could view AW as a growth company, and growth companies are higher risk. Investment might not pay off, but investment might pay off, and by that I mean TV deal might get renewed at a four times increase and might continue to grow revenue in other areas, um, which would, which would almost certainly in my view, I, I would make it very hard to not make this company profitable. Um, if, if they if they succeed in multiplying their TV rights deal, uh, in a couple of years when that deal has to be renegotiated. All right. Um, I do want to bring up a topic, Brandon. Oh, yes. Uh, you previewed yeah, so yes, uh, so I want to bring up a topic question here since we got a little bit of time on this week's episode with the ML current MLB lockout um, mm. between the players and the owners. Um, and this is something that's happened in baseball history for quite some time. They actually missed games when the lockout turned into a strike in 72, 81 and 94, 95. And th that doesn't even include all the, the, the strikes and disagreements in the late 1890s and early 1900s that led to like a players league and the federal league and all that. But clearly with baseball strikes and lockouts, they miss 
in previous times they've missed games mm-hmm. and you know i'm not going to want to go down a rabbit hole of should there be a new dean of professional wrestling but i just want to talk about one topic that it may be one of the reasons why a union wouldn't work in professional wrestling is because if you had a stoppage of events so you had to cancel all these live events and you you know you couldn't then also have you know media to put on television that was new would it really hurt not only the wrestling companies but the talent uh and probably something you probably never bounce back from I, I don't feel like I'm I have expertise in this area to to try to tackle this in a way that I would be confident about my answer here. But I think what you're describing is tremendous leverage for a union. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh because you, you you better come to a settlement with us. Otherwise, how are you gonna meet your, your TV deal requirements? Uh, you better do it sooner than later. Now we remember in the pandemic, you know, W was able to re-air some some pay-per-view matches early on in the pandemic, and they could probably get get through a couple of weeks like that, and they could hire scabs, I suppose. <laughs> you know, they could hire whoever. I mean, there would be a, probably a bunch of indie wrestlers. I'd be like, oh yeah, go on. I hate unions. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, they could you know they could fill the time for a couple of weeks, but but pretty soon their ratings would seriously start to suffer and i don't know i th- i think that's um that would be a tremendous point of leverage for for a union yeah because i was just thinking about it. it's like baseball they have had a dozen lockouts but they've only missed games three times that mm-hmm. they turn into strikes but a dozen lockouts on record and that's like i said that's not including all the early 1900 stuff so like but ba- but wrestling doesn't have that off season Right. Where like because what baseball did this year is is they started the lockout in December with hopes that it would be done by now. And uh, pitchers and catchers are supposed to report this week and it's not happening. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's the question of of, of whether or how wrestling would ever have a union is, is a very interesting topic to me. I don't feel like I know enough about how unions work and how unions get started to to just start spouting off about it. Um. But maybe maybe we should should make friends with somebody or, you know, get somebody on someday to to tell us about that. Who, know, who knows more about it? And I'll bring up one other question then, too. Do you think, you know, this is now we're just talking baseball. But if they miss games, do they does the networks like, for example, ESPN cut them a smaller check, even though they agreed to this contract of so much per year? Because you didn't question. deliver I all imagine the that's, I imagine you could do research and find out. Um or maybe there's people listening who know. Um, I would think if you're not delivering the games, I mean, what happened in the pandemic? I, th- I think everybody got their TV money, but there was just delayed game delivery, right? To get the season happened yeah. later rather than when it was supposed to. Um, but I would think. But that was something out of their control where this is really in the owners and the players control. They're not coming to an agreement. Like this is major league baseball's fault. Oh, we do have, see, it did pop up. You see that? The super chat thing popped yeah, up. Oh, there we go. Thank you. CB. Uh, yeah, CB. Yeah. Some of the talent are very likely sag already. So he's talking about the current wrestling talent. But since they're on TV as characters, how has it not happened more comprehensively? So can, can, can you rephrase that for me? So, so CB said, so some of the talent are very likely sag already. So they're in a union. I see. Uh, but since, but since they're on TV as characters, yeah. how are they not, how has that not happened more comprehensively? So I'm guessing like union, I, I would imagine. 
Um, I, I don't know. I, again, I don't know enough about unions to intelligently talk about this. Um, they're not a part of a union, and uh, there's certainly no agreement between a union and WWE, either for their employees or the, for their independent contractors, which is what all the wrestlers are, with very few exceptions. Um, and they're, and the mis- misclassification issue is another issue. Um, I think, I believe the way to to identify whether or not they're misclassified is is through the IRS. There's a 10-factor test or a 20-factor test. Um, you could say... You could apply the same thing to, to WWE independent contractors. I know many of them have dual roles as employees, and you could probably argue that AEW doesn't control their wrestlers, independent contractors, to the extent that WWE controls their wrestlers who are independent contractors. But I don't know that there's not a misclassification going on in both companies, uh, in, in many cases at least. Um, so Mustafa Ali, he's he just tweeted the other day, see in two and a half years – <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he's basically doing his own lockouts. Presumably, that's the length of his contract. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is uh, we've we've had this discussion so many times, and nothing has ever happened. So it, it's I'm not holding out hope. But you know, it, he seems like somebody who's in a, in a good position to scorch the earth and try to do something and and say, "Hey, look, I'm being misclassified. Uh, I'm going to lawyer up and uh, try to fight this and just burn the bridge forever. So be it. I don't. But I don't know." And how, how would AEW view that if if uh, if the if they were there was some sort of precedent to be set that a wrestler is being misclassified and that could I, again we're getting to a point where like I'm I'm way over my head in terms of the legal technicalities of this but yeah I just figured I bring it up with the timeliness of what's going on yeah. because we're nearing nearing the point where baseball is not going to start on time. Mm-hmm. because of another lockout and i'm just thinking of how that would affect wrestling if that happened and you know and just tv deals in general i mean sports are getting all-time high tv rights deals but if the sport doesn't happen what does I, that I happen think, then and does that and does that factor negotiations going on in the next time you know i would think when they write these contracts at least for these sports that do have players who are represented by a union that they're um that that's an easy thing to anticipate something that has happened in history several times. I'm, I would imagine that there's some sort of language in their contracts that are ready to deal with that, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. I think you've evaded jeopardy for what the third or fourth consecutive week here. <laughs> I really want to talk about this though. I really want to bring this up. Cause it was this question that I'm, I'm, I'm a big baseball fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, I'm, my sadness factor is getting higher and higher as the days go on that this is not, there's nothing better than opening day. Like I don't live in a city with a major league baseball team. Well, we had one for about two months, but, uh, I, I, but, uh, I, I have a little tradition. I put the Phillies on. They're my favorite team. I got, I got my popcorn. I, I you know, I, I make my beyond sausages. Uh, I got my pretzels and, and, and peanuts. And I, I have like a full game. 162, in my house. 162 days a year. You do that. No, no, I do that for opening weekend. <laughs> and then I, I'll watch games. I don't watch all every game, but I do get the MLB uh, package uh, where I can watch uh, Phillies games. Um, oh, throughout the season. let's explore that. What's the MLB package to you? What does that mean? So it is, what is it, MLB TV, and I purchase it to watch streaming. So how do you, how do you, how do you watch it? What, where are you watching it through? I watch it through uh, Roku. Roku. I don't know. But I buy, I go to MLB's website and I buy it and I buy the whole season. Um, I can't, I think it's like 150 bucks. It's something like that. And this is um, directly, this is like the W network 
when the W network was direct to consumer in the United States. Yes. This is this is their service. This is not yes. on somebody else's what you know, so they're not licensing it to ESPN Plus or something. It's not through a cable thing or anything like that. It's it's MLB TV and then I get I get I buy the package where I get all the games. Mm-hmm. Um as far as all the teams. You could buy just one team. Um, but I get other teams too. Uh, you know, just to see, you know, it, I love watching late night West Coast baseball sometimes too, just to go to bed. You know, and this is only out of market, right? Like if you lived in Philadelphia, this would not be an option for you. You would have to watch it through the regional sports broadcaster. Yes, because I do not get Phillies games against the Yankees mm. the or the Mets. Because we live so close. <laughs> to, to New York uh, City. I, I believe Indians, too, because okay. of the Fox Sports Ohio. You, you could drive now. three hours and go to the game. Yes. Well, but we don't if if they play in Cleveland, but sometimes it, even if they're playing in Philadelphia, if it's carried by that market, I don't get it because I'm living in Buffalo. Okay. Um, I, I apologize to everybody who has no interest in, in, in any of this. But <laughs> um, in the case of the Yankees, I understand, right? Like you can get the the Yes Network is carried on our local cable system, which is the Yankees. Yes. TV network. But the but the Mets and the, and the Indians or whatever the Mets are SNY. Now? I'm sorry, they're Same. not the Indians anymore. What are they, what are they now? Uh, the Guardians. The Guardians. Um, uh, the the Mets are SNY. Do we, do we and, get that on? If, if I subscribe yes. to cable, which neither of us do. No, do. but SNY is on cable here. Yes. Okay. Uh, as well as I can't think of what it's called now because it's been a couple different names, but whatever the Fox Sports Cleveland is. Like it was like FS Ohio or something like that. It's been a couple of things, but they've, I've got known them from, they used to carry like wrestling, like before AIW, there was a company, I think it was called like prime wrestling. It used to be on there and all that, that you would get on the Fox uh, Cleveland affiliate, but that was on cable packages, I believe on spectrum here and, right. and direct TV. Because those regional broadcasters who broadcast the baseball games to the local market, like the yes network or, SDNY or whatever the Fox regional broadcaster is for for, for the Cleveland Guardians. They're yes, Cleveland paying. Guardians. Sorry if I said Indians, the Guardians. I apologize. You're, you're canceled. Uh, they're getting the the major league big, private teams, right? I don't know how this works. That we're, we're this this is like it's so attainable knowledge, but we, I just don't know. But those broadcasters are paying either the teams of the league, private teams. I don't I don't know. They're, they're paying the teams of the league a lot of money for the rights for those games. In the local market, MLB is glad to sell you the out-of-market games. Yes, but they don't want to compete with their partner that's probably paying them handsomely. Yeah, yeah. And- they still refer to it as a blackout rule. Remember, we used to have one in the NFL that no longer exists, mm-hmm. but they, they, they refer to it as the, the that was about rule because- but that was about live attendance sellouts, right? This is about yes. you know, this is about this is about subscribing yeah. to those cable subscriptions and having those networks. Yeah. I mean, MSG doesn't even offer an app for like Roku and I believe like Apple TV. MSG, you have to like watch on your phone. And then if I want to watch it on on my TV, I I just do the screen uh, mirror screen Hmm. on my TV from watching the app to watch Sabres games on my television. Yeah, I'm vaguely aware that this is a big issue in in media about how the regional sports networks are going to land in this transition of behavior from linear to stream so we will see okay i think that's all um for this week right yeah yeah that is all for this week here 
you can get the wrestling, the WrestleNomics Pro Wrestling Industry Report uh, in the description. The link is there on the for the PayHip link. It's five ninety nine, or you can subscribe to Patreon for five dollars a month. And all the three years, in fact, of the WrestleNomics Industry Report are there for you to download in PDF form. Um, if you press the thumbs up on this video, if you're watching on YouTube, that really helps us. Lots of people do that. Everybody's doing it. You should do it too. And it really helps people discover on their recommendations, WrestleNomics. We have merchandise at store.postwrestling.com. I do live TV ratings talk every Thursday, just after the Dynamite rating comes out. Um, it's funny. It's a Paula Beck. It's funny. Uh, Thursday, I, I, it was, was reaffirmed to me that Thursday is the right night to do this. I was looking at my Twitter analytics and looking at like the, the tweets that have the most impressions and engagements and stuff. And over the last six months, I pulled the data uh, for the last six months. And like almost all of my top, I don't know, let's say 20 tweets are AW ratings. It's uh, yeah, it, it's, it, there's, there's not, there's interest in, in other ratings. Obviously there's interest in W ratings, but the, like the dynamite rating, especially when it's like a newsworthy rating, you know, they did their highest in X number of days, weeks and whatnot. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible how consistent it's like, yeah, people are looking to see if AEW did had a good rating or they're, they want to quote tweet it. Of course. Anyway, uh, you can predict the AEW rating, the AEW dynamite rating in the post wrestling discord in the WrestleNomics channel. Go in there. You got, you got to topple a uh, big Phil combo and, uh, Get that number one slot. I think I'm ranked number two now. Predict the AW Dynamite demo rating. That's what we do there. Um, it was 0. 0.41 this past week. And uh, we thank, as always, Post Wrestling for being our distribution partner. What do you got? Um, do, if you haven't caught it yet, uh, listen to our past episode of Rediscover the Indies, RTI Pod on Twitter, Rediscovering his Instagram, Facebook, where That's we talk right. about Dusty yeah. Rhodes Turmuckle Championship Wrestling. Uh, and all the fun stuff that was uh, that was throughout that, including uh, Cody Rhodes making his debut in professional wrestling as a referee. Yes. Um, but uh, lots of great stuff in that. But we uh, also uh, check, just check me out on the social media. I got a pretty busy uh, spring coming up, ring announcing. And hey, I've already had this occurrence, Brandon, which I'll tell you off air. If you are a wrestling promoter or running a wrestling event during WrestleMania weekend, I am available for your services. Uh, and that is, uh, from March 31st to April 4th, I will be in uh, Dallas. So if you need a ring announcer, a host for a you panel had an occurrence? or a commentary interview, occurrence, what does that mean? You had an occurrence. So I was messaged a bunch of promoters, uh, that were running and you one messaged of the a bunch of promoters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. One of the promoters was a huge WrestleNomics fan. Really? He's a local company, so he's like, hey, I want to give my local announcer the opportunity first, oh, and I, I understood. But if the local announcer can't make it, I think I'm going to get a shot. So. Wow, that's cool. Um, but thank, thank you that guy for just even listening. That was pretty awesome, pretty awesome. Yeah, moment. yeah. Do, do I need to fly to Dallas? Are we going to have like a live WrestleNomics in Dallas? I would love to if you yeah. did that. You, you, front, you front the money. You front the, the whole thing. <laughs> you take the risk on. I'll show up. There you go. Book me. <laughs> it's the only it's the only booking I'm accepting currently. Um yeah. Okay, that's all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We will talk to you. Uh I'll, I'll be on Thursday with with uh, post wrestling and I'll be back on Thursday evening for a live TV ratings talk. See you next time. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. 
by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.